Welcome to Upward Dogology, where I retrain your brain and introduce you to the world of cognitive behavioral therapy for dogs over the age of six months. I'm so glad you joined us for this episode, where I chat with Megan Hensley of Holistic Hooves. Yes, she is a donkey farrier extraordinaire. So what does this have to do with dogs? I really didn't know much about donkeys before this chat. Megan has a shit ton of experience and a genuine connection with animals. Our approach to working with animals is similar, and our professions have many of the same rewards and challenges. Following our chat, I reveal my long-term goal to save dogs' lives with Upward Dogology and what veterinarian Dr. Bruce Fogel feels is the biggest barrier to achieving my goal. Hello, I'm Billy Groom, your host and successful dogologist for over three decades. Before I hop into this episode, I want to remind everyone of the contest. Follow Upper Dogology on Instagram, rate and review one of these episodes or more than one, and send me a DM of a picture of it and I will enter you into a chance to win one of a number of great prizes. And oh, you probably noticed the change in music. I'm so excited to introduce Open Strum of Moncton, New Brunswick, Canada. Open Strum is not only an incredibly talented band, but they combine their musical talent with their passion for animals and have made an impact on the lives of so many people and animals. Check them out. The link is in the show notes. So let's meet Megan. Hey, Megan, how's it going? Hey, Billy, it's going good. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for joining us. This is so cool to have like the donkey expert on. This is so awesome. So where are you right now? Uh, Right now, I am in Northern California uh, in Humboldt County, where all the beautiful redwoods are, uh, Pacific Northwest. And I've been here for about 15 years. It's a beautiful place. uh, It is. It is a beautiful place. That's great. That's awesome. Um, I guess you're getting pretty good weather there right now. Yeah, we just had a little bit of a storm and we've yeah. got a few dry days and then we got another storm coming in. But no, nothing, cra- <laughs> nothing crazy yet. Nothing but crazy. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, we've got some snow. So, but I mean, oh. we're, we're in Saskatchewan, Canada. So, well, there you go. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, you are like the donkey expert. So what exactly is that? What do you do? How did you get interested in that? That's funny. Thank, thank you for saying that. Um, although I don't, it's hard. I don't really consider myself like an expert, but I have been, uh, I could say I've been having donkeys teach me for like the last 15 years. And uh, that started when I uh, became a farrier, which is a hoof care provider for equines. And I have taken into really focusing on donkeys in the last three years, but I've worked with them for a total of 15 years. I like the way you said that, that, uh, (laughs) that really the donkeys are the experts because that's how I am with the dogs. The dogs are the experts. It's just our responsibility or choice to, uh, to learn from them. Right. Oh, I love that. Yeah. No, I, Yes, I love the way you just framed that. <laughs> it's so cool learning from animals. It is. It's so much better than, it's just the best way to learn. But I'm guessing, I mean, I don't know if people know a lot about donkeys. I mean, people know a lot about horses, but I guess donkeys kind of have a stigma that go with them or people 
I don't know, a lot of people wouldn't really know about what they're like on a personality level. Can you tell us something about that? Sure. Um, yeah, I think that uh, you're probably uh, kind of right there that um, donkeys, well, you know, a lot of people make jokes, oh, that such a donkey or being a stubborn, you know, ass or um, yeah. those are definitely stereotypes that, that donkeys have somehow acquired and um and then on the other hand i think you're right too that there's just maybe a lot of people that don't really know much about them um although they are becoming seemingly more popular lately but uh, the truth about donkeys is they're very smart Mm -hmm. Uh, they're not stubborn they're very uh they're so smart that's the (laughs) that's where people run into problems (laughs) because uh, you know so they think the donkeys are stubborn or ill-willed and it's more like the donkey's just very smart he's very thoughtful uh really in the self-preservation the species you know when they're in the wild they're really good at keeping themselves safe and out of harm's way and i think that plays a big role in where that idea of them being coming stubborn um so i i always get kind of mad when people want to say they i'm like hey don't say that about donkeys. yeah because it's it's kind of like people too you just you know yeah. you might think a person is stubborn but really maybe you just have to change the way that you work with them or the way that you view them or maybe they're stubborn in certain situations or maybe just opinionated and that's the same with dogs i mean dogs come off the street and there's a reason they're still alive like those donkeys so to sit there and tell them how they have to think and how they have to be, they're just going to flip you the bird because <laughs> they, they, they aren't new to life. They're just new to you. Right? I love this. Are you, when are you going to get a donkey? Because you're so ready, you're so ready to have a donkey. Here. <laughs> I know. I'm kind of jacked. That would be awesome. I'd have to, I don't know if I could do it here in my little uh, 600 square foot home with my uh, neighbors right next door, but you know, Whack load of dogs is one thing, but a donkey. But yeah, I'd love to. I'll have to come and visit you and check out the donkey. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say you could, but I think donkeys would love you right uh, off the bat. Well, dogs love you, right? Like you have a history with dogs too, right? You're you're, oh, you're quite good with yeah, dogs. and I am, you know, and um, but so it's funny when you say that because I think, oh, why? Or is it just, um. Yeah, you know, I really, I love all animals, Billy, mm-hmm. honestly, mm-hmm. like, and um, I was joking the other day, I was like, I could have all these donkeys, or I could have a rooster rescue, I saw this lady who runs a rooster rescue, had me cracking up, so, you know, when I think of animals, I I, I feel a deep connection with them, and have since mm-hmm. I was little, but yeah, dogs are, I can get along with most dogs, one of, one of my little guys right here, he was, he was on a, on death row, and was trying to bite, and He's all, uh, he's all better now, but he was a pistol and no one wanted to work with him. So, but yeah. Good for dog, you. Oh, that's dog, so impressive. Dogs are good to, to get along with. Um, you got to give them space and give them a chance to think kind of just like what you were saying with the donkeys, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned that um, your profession, I guess it, I mean, besides just knowing about donkeys, you actually, actually have a specific profession called your farrier, which is Hoofing or hooving or <laughs> I like that you say that. And I wanted to let you go ahead and say that because it's so cute. And I think in the UK or like over in uh yeah, I think in the United Kingdom, uh it's called hoofing. But okay. here here in the States, uh, I'm called a farrier or a hoof care provider or a trimmer. 
are some of the names that um, that you would uh, be called as a hoof care professional. And I um, graduated from a traditional horseshoeing school. And so okay. I have held on to, I call myself a farrier primarily. Okay. So you yeah. do go to school for that? You don't have to. Okay. Uh, that's the funny thing. Uh, you don't have to, which could be a good thing and a bad thing. Uh, so I started out with an apprenticeship in 2006 for a year. And then I chose to go to uh, school in 2007. Okay. So that's how so, I am. So is the way that you you do your profession, now I'm nervous to say you're hoofing or you're barrier. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you're hoofing. Is that d- different than the way uh, other people do it? Is is there some um, <laughs> different ways of doing it that can be controversial or just based on the donkey or how, how did, how does that profession work? Well, you know, there are some standards maybe, or what people think are standards in the industry. Um, well, I am very different. Uh, I'm definitely very Yay. different in my field. Uh, and there's a lot of, there's, or there's more people that think like me in the equine world too. Um, so I'm not so much alone, but yet I am very different. First of all, I'm a woman in a man uh, dominated profession. Mm-hmm. Uh, although many, many more women are becoming farriers and hoof care providers than ever before. Um, cool. I think my horse. Um, so, but um, I am different because I take a very um, gentle, almost, um, I just work with the animals differently. Like I don't, a lot of the times donkeys are tied up tight to fence posts or people automatically think they're going to be hard to work with. And I like to work with them what in the equine world, which is called Liberty a lot. I'll, I'll take them into maybe a smaller area, not too small, but um, I like to work with them off. Maybe you would consider this like off leash, but um, Mm -hmm. you know, off of the halter, off of the lead, not always, but sometimes um, I'm trying to spark, or spark their curiosity, get them interested in me. I'm um, trying to build a relationship with them. And uh, sometimes I, I've been teased a little bit, you know, like I'm the hippie hoof, the hippie because <laughs> my business is called Holistic Hooves and, you know, or I'm too sweet and nice or whatever. But I, man, I get results with these donkeys. And when people mimic what I do, like some of my colleagues, they're getting results too. So <laughs> like, yeah, and that's, that's what's important, right? I mean, I, one of my approaches is never rush to your end goal. And people don't really understand what that is because they're, they're flipping, you know, they're going through the internet. How do I fix this problem? How do I fix this? You know, your quick fix solution, or they're, they're asking other trainers and behaviorists. And you know what, sometimes you just kind of got to slow down, figure out the dog, figure out how that dog likes to be worked with, how their brain works, what works best for them. And that's, you know, similar to what you're saying, uh, that it's not cut in stone the way that you, that you work with each donkey, but it, it's based more around what that donkey likes. And so you're figuring the donkey out and then being able to complete your task based on that. Is that right? Yeah, I would say so. I feel like I kind of come in and I offer them like this opportunity and I, I mm. love what you're saying about, um, getting to know that dog because, you know, donkeys are donkeys as a species, but every single one of my donkeys out here all have different personalities and they're all individuals and they have thoughts and feelings, you know, and um, 
And you got to pay attention yeah. to that. Another thing you want to make sure when you're working with a donkey or any equine in general, I think that sometimes sets me apart and some of my other colleagues is that we want to make sure the animal's not in pain. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, for sure. That That's is, never a good thing. <laughs> no. And that can completely um, sabotage like a, a session or um, anything if you can't figure that out and address it you know because that that's a can create a behavior problem that isn't even a behavioral problem <laughs> yeah yeah like it's the human's fault that they created that so donkeys can be ag- aggressive i guess can they be yeah you know what they they certainly could i have only met maybe two donkeys where i was like whoa i'm not going in there and they were like pretty pretty wild pretty they were jacks which um um you know unaltered males um and so they can be and in the wild uh they are incredibly tough uh not taking any shit out there uh yeah yeah exactly (laughs) they're 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 very uh uh, yes they're they're very brave and courageous and will stand their ground um so so you got to be careful with them from that standpoint i guess but um if you're being thoughtful and being aware um and the donkey's in good conditions and you're being good to them. I, I, I really haven't had trouble with with too much aggression. No. Yeah. And that sounds so logical when people say it. But even in the dog world, that's that's hard for people to know exactly how to do that. It's easy to sort of give that umbrella advice, you know, be relaxed, be nice, don't do anything harmful. But, you know, with what I do, people are saying, yeah, I'm, I'm trying that, but I don't know exactly what to do. I mean, I have to provide specific skills and specific exercises that allow people to do that in a way that works with their their dog. And I know you're uh, going to be offering a course, uh, an online course, I guess. And so, you know, you have this natural ability. Will will you be able to explain that in an online format or is that going to be on donkey behavior and hoofing? Tell us about your course. Well, yeah, thank you uh, for bringing that up. I do. I have two courses, actually, um, a level one and a level two. Um, They just were kind of born out of the pandemic recently because I had to stop uh, driving. And I asked myself the same question. I thought, am I going to be able to do this? Like, how am I? I don't know. Let's see. So I did some one-on-one coaching sessions uh, with some people. And I'm like, okay, try this. You know, this is what I would do. And I did some video stuff. And I started posting some more of my videos of me working. And people started going, hey, I did what you did. And I'm like, oh, yeah. And thinking, well, I don't even remember what I did. But they watched watched me on the videos. And then we, you know, we talked and they're getting results. So I'm I'm doing I'm doing pretty good. Like level one is really about um, your mindset and what you're thinking and how you're feeling when you're around an animal, too. And that might be the big connector between the dogs, the donkeys you know, a camel or a cat or whatever is that um, it's really about what you're thinking about and who you're being and what you're envisioning for the outcome. For Um, your mindset. It's all about the mindset. And, and, and I think we do as professionals have the ability to provide skills that change a mindset. I know that some people, some of the listeners out there know they've listened to the, the early podcast that I have and they're thinking, oh, it's going to be a training podcast. It's going to be it would be insane for me to say, if your dog does this, do this. If your dog does this, do this. The first thing I have to do is change people's mindset on how to work with a dog versus a puppy, how to work with a dog from the street. I mean, they have to change their mindset and then it all becomes clear and it's so much easier to apply the techniques. It's just, 
just so much simpler. I, I couldn't just say, do this because they'd be like, what? Like a deer in the headlights. What? That doesn't even make sense. So I think mindset with working with any animal and even with humans, the way that we communicate with humans, having that mindset is so important. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And I love that because I think that gives you more, um, you don't have to necessarily know all the training methods or know if, if you're shifting your perception and looking at something differently, it can open up a lot of new possibilities. Absolutely. Well yeah. said. Exactly. Yeah. It's like my clients, they don't know how to train everybody's dog, but they know how to work with their own dog and it makes sense to them for just their own dog. So, yeah. so for you teaching these courses to, uh, to other people who do your profession, I guess that would be uh, where your second, uh, your second level would come in. Is that right? Yes. Uh, yes. And no, I, I teach colleagues, but I also like, say you, you know, moved to farm and got yourself a donkey and you're like, Megan, I need to learn to trim my donkey's hooves. I could teach you how to do that. But mm. I, I do. So I'm teaching owners and this is important right now because people all, okay. So first of all, people can't, or people, there's many people who struggle to find a farrier that will come see their donkey. Cause in, mm-hmm. inside of my profession, there's a big hole lacking of professionals that are willing to work with donkeys and work with them mm. um, gently and compassionately. So a lot of donkey owners have a hard time finding someone in the first place. So, and then add the pandemic and the things that have changed over this last year, and it's becoming even harder to find a professional to help you. And mm. so I, teach people to trim. Good for you. Yeah, that must be, that must just be really saving a lot of people's sanity and uh, just, you know, they know that they're being able to work with their donkey in a way that helps their donkey, I guess, also not just physically, but also like you were saying before, if a donkey's uncomfortable, yeah. I've seen some of actually some of your Instagram posts are uh, like really interesting because you look at the the hoof and I would, I can truly honestly say I've never looked at a donkey's hoof, but you have these pictures. It's like, God, that's, that's just got to be uncomfortable. Huh? That's, yeah. You know, and then you fix it and you fix it so that the, that I guess they're emotionally and physically comfortable. And if people can learn how to do that for their donkey, it would be like the same as their dog, you know, making their dog physically, mentally, and emotionally comfortable and happy. Yes, I love you. <laughs> this is so thank you so much for having me. I love how you put that together there. I I concur. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I just figured we could talk. I just I just knew there'd yeah. be a ton that we would have in common. I could just tell. But I, I do want to uh, thank you, and I think you're awesome as well. Um, so I I do want to hit on a yucky topic for a second. It's just so Uh important to me. Oh, the animal activist in me is coming out, but donkeys are used for labor. Are they, are they still, because that just sucks or, or do donkeys like it? Do they, do they feel like their job? Well, this, you know, man, when you, when you sent me that question, I was like, oh man, I don't know if I want to talk about this. Yeah. (laughs) But then I, but here I thought about it. And I, this is, I'm going to tell you what I know. And donkeys have been a beast of burden. Um, that's certainly probably the other stereotype that they may have, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is, that, is that a donkey is going to be carrying heavy weight. And in underdeveloped countries, Billy, um, donkeys, a family in a very poor country could have a donkey. And that is their, that is their worker. 
that mm-hmm. carries her water, does everything for them. That donkey supports the whole family. If they didn't have that donkey, they wouldn't have anything. And then there's mules in Egypt in the brick kilns that are pulling way too big of weights. And um, there's a lot of, you know, sadness and things like that there but there are are organizations that will go to try to help nonprofits get these people better equipment so then you move over to the states and um what we have here in the states for donkey is actually almost the opposite they've become pets and now they're not doing much work at all and now they're all obese and Mm. have a lot of health issues um so there's got to be like a happy medium um i have some burrow racing clients and that's a lot of fun i believe the burrows enjoy doing it and it's hmm. the people and they're just running along huh that not really is... carrying any weight but yeah. donkeys there are still some donkeys that are working you know yeah. um but i i oh, could see that you... yeah i mean i i think i think what you're trying to say is that it it really depends on whether the donkey's enjoying it and how the people treat them. I mean, if, if it's their livelihood, there's a good chance that even though they're in a third world country and they, you know, the, the mule or the donkey is being used to carry, uh, they, they would also think of it as, as not a pet in a sense, but something to take care of, you know, they need to take care of that animal because that animal is providing them with, uh, family essentials. Yes. And that's why there, there's some really great nonprofit organizations, um, um, that will go and, you know, provide veterinary care and, and try to help get better equipment. And then even, um, you know, so something I might do in the future, I can go on a trip and help teach the locals hoof care or go provide hoof care. And so it's a lot of education and support. And then, um, yeah, but donkeys uh, here in the States do a little bit of driving and hiking and backpacking. And um, yeah, I think it really, um, it, it kind of depends. Any animal that's being overworked, I, I would be really worried about, you know. Yeah, and they do that with dogs sure. occasionally too, you know. They'll just yeah. pile a bunch of shit on a dog's back and make them carry it. And it's, you know, that's yeah. really is the individual people. And, you know, some episodes before this one talk about using dogs for sport and using dogs uh for to make money and and all sorts of things that we know is shitty so it really it's it's so dependent on the people and morals and values and traditions and and yeah it does get into an ugly topic but um but it's good to know that they're also just really being enjoyed as pets and that's so great and it's so great that you can help with that that's so great yeah, it is. And and I think that is um people um never mind. <laughs> people are people, right? <laughs> yeah, people are wanting to do really good by the donkeys, I think. I think yeah. that that there's a lot of people that want to have fun and with them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Um I think that's really great. I think um what you do is great. I think you're great. And I'm going to put you on the spot here with something that I haven't. I understand that you are a singer for a band called the Dog Friendly Band. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, that's so fun. Uh, we formed, I, well, I formed that band when our local Humane Society contacted me okay. and was like, uh, we want you to play. I was in a different band and they were like, we want you to play this fundraiser. But the band I was in didn't want to play the fundraiser. And so I said, let me see if I can get some homies together and we'll form a band for, for your thing. And that's when the dog friendly band was born. 
That is so cool. That's so awesome. Yeah, everyone out there in the listener world, just check out that on, uh, I guess that's on Facebook and maybe Instagram too. And I'll have all the links in my show notes as always. Yeah. For everything. Um, was there anything else? Sorry, go ahead. Do you have an upcoming fundraiser? Uh, no, I was going to say no. we haven't got to do much. Um, but I think if anybody's a musician or listening, like we basically became the humane uh, Sequoia Humane Society here in Humboldt and we became their house band. And so we go, we, before the pandemic, we played all the fundraisers and so did other bands. You know, sometimes it was like a day full of bands. But um, then, like, say you hired us for a party, uh, we would kick back, you know, 10 or 15 percent to the Humane Society if you booked us for a wedding or a birthday or whatever. So that is fun. so yeah, I, that is so cool. Way to go. That's what it's all about. Yeah. That is, you know, combining skills that you have. It doesn't even have to be directly related if if you have some kind of a skill and what's interesting is uh people will notice that for this episode I have a new music and that's uh the musician he also he really he's a musician but his passion is animals and he has a um an event that he he runs uh of course the pandemic has changed that uh, to a certain extent but it's called um, music for critters and so oh. it, it's an event. Yeah, it's so awesome. I love music. I'm like a huge music fan and I cannot sing. I cannot play an instrument. I can dance. I can, I can, you know, yeah, yay, yeah. you know, I just go out and support the local bands because, you know, prior to the pandemic, yeah. you know, yeah, you know, they're having, uh, having those people get out there and dance and support it. So however you can support uh, whatever your passion is, that's just such a great thing to do. Yeah. Thanks so much. You're welcome. Thank you. Yeah, it's been awesome talking to you. Thanks so much. And we'll have everything in the show notes. Thanks, Megan. Thank you, Billy. Take care. Bye. That was an enormously fun and informative chat with Megan Hensley of Holistic Hoops. Megan and I have so much in common. The one thing from this chat that really stood out for me was our mutual goal to change human perception. For her, this is of donkeys, how people perceive them and how they are stereotyped, as well as how people perform the task of hooving. This podcast, especially the first season, is all about changing human perception of dogs versus puppies and how this affects the way in which we work with them. This is the first and most important part when working with dogs versus working with puppies. To effectively help my hundreds of clients a year, four decades, I start by changing their perception. It is amazing to watch their eyes go from that deer-in-the-headlights look to that aha moment. I can literally see their brain change. They start asking questions that make more sense to their needs and their goals and to those of their dog. They lose the need to dominate. They no longer fo- focus excuse me, on rewards and correction or deciding good versus bad behavior. They change their mindset from, what do I do when my dog does X bad behavior, to applying proactive approaches working with the dog as a whole, preventing unwanted behavior by changing thought patterns. This is the essence of cognitive behavioral therapy. Many of my clients are dog knowledgeable. I have veterinarians as clients, and many of them are at their wits end by the time they hire me. They've tried everything. When they change their mindset and they see results, they feel so empowered and rewarded. It's life-changing for them when they can help their dogs and their family. The number one thing I hear is, why is this methodology not out there, Billy? A few
few months ago, I was a guest on a podcast called The Entrepreneur Way. And one of the questions I was asked is, in five years, what changes would you like to see or something along those lines? My answer was that it should be common knowledge that operant conditioning, which is what balance training and positive reinforcement training are grounded in, are great for dogs under six months of age, and they can be effective with dogs over six months. But if this is falling short, then it is necessary to switch over to using cognitive behavioral therapy, which is what upward dogology is grounded in. This is my goal simply because upward dogology has proven to save dogs' lives. There is no one right way to work with a dog. Changing mindset on a larger scale beyond that of my clients requires the gurus in the dog world, those with the ability to make changes on a larger scale, to open their minds to learning new ways. This is often scary for those in leadership positions to make real changes, to actually lead. It is easier to remain in a comfort zone and to please the peers. As an entrepreneur who does not follow the norm, an author and a podcast host, I cause waves every day. As Dr. Bruce Fogel, who is president of Humane Society International and an author and veterinarian, wrote me after reading my book that I have a good understanding of dog behavior. He likes my approaches. The challenge is going to be in changing mindset. People are idiosyncratic. To accomplish my goal requires me to share the upward dogology formula. And this podcast is a start by changing mindset and creating awareness. If you're interested in dog behavior, check out the first few episodes as well as those in season three. All the guests on this podcast have a passion. They use their strengths and skills to help others and spread awareness. Please help them by sharing these episodes. Follow Holistic Hooves, Open Strum, Upper Dogology, and all the guests on Instagram, Facebook, and other social media platforms. Provide ratings and reviews and enter the contest. Thank you for all you do. Enjoy your learning journey. Mm-hmm.